was such a privilege uh, this morning that we get to uh, have Joe and Arliss Erkovich with us. And for some of you who don't know uh, a little bit of that journey, they uh, were here for 26 years of our church. And really from, is there some clapping? You, Yeah. And I was reflecting on how impactful it is to have people that have invested from a pastoral leadership standpoint back to its family uh, to share. And this week I was reading and just reading again some of those accounts where Paul, um, through the book of Acts, returns to cities that he's written letters to or had missionary journeys to. And like in the end of Acts chapter 20, you'll see that Paul... Um, is walking to the beach just saying, it's time for me to go. And you can just sense the emotional connection that the church there in those cities had. And they're feeling uh, they don't want to let him go. Don't go, don't go, stay, stay. And I mean, Paul's had just rich and fruitful ministry in all these different cities. And you could just see uh, the endearing connection. And so that every time he wrote a letter, they longed to hear about what Paul was doing. They long to hear about ministry around his life. And I really think this morning, that's a lot of what Joe and Arliss represent for our church family. Uh, for 46 years, we've had the blessing of having some of the, the really the key pastors of this church be here. Um, Ted Bassett-Jones uh, just passed away this last year, but was here with us. I mean, he was an attender. He was a part of teaching team. And... Joe and Arliss have been so ingrained and back and forth here and just connected to us. That is a rich blessing. Lots of churches don't get to bring pastors back. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing on them or a mark on them, but I count that as a privilege uh, to have them here this morning. And so I, I just wanted to do this to start it off hyper-emotional and so to get everybody crying already. But I do want to just, if, if Joe and Arliss have touched your life in any way in their 26 years, would you stand up? Would you just stand up this morning? I just, I think this is for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so will you welcome Joe and Arliss as they come on up and we're going to talk this morning. All these applauses. You all right? I'm doing good. You okay? Yeah, I feel, feel real good. <laughs> well, it is such a privilege, and let me kind of tell you how this came about. Obviously, we're going to share a little bit about what some of their journey has been, uh, why, why they're even up here, and you know, Joe and Arliss, probably more Joe, comes in and out of town so quickly. He usually calls me on his way out of town. Hey, sorry, dude, we didn't get to talk, but I'm out. I'll be back. You're always out of town when I come I don't, to I don't take that personally. I just want you to know. Anyway, uh, but they've had some circumstances where it's, they've been here for a longer uh, journey. But what I want to do this morning is unpack just a little bit about what God's doing in, in their lives. And so I want you guys to share uh, as... We long to hear about what God's doing in your life, in and around you. I, I want to focus more personally first and maybe give some context why you're here longer. You obviously are up here for a reason. Some have heard you had some work done. And uh, 
cosmetic surgery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't help much, buddy. I just want I had, you to know. I just didn't help. I had breast reduction, dude. Oh, jeez. You know, I knew somewhere Joe was going to throw a bomb. <laughs> anyway, um, why don't you share about how God's been working uh, in your guys' lives personally and in your marriage, but why you're up here and kind of give us some context. Um, back in the fall, um, we have some friends from the congregation, Steve and Mary Gernt, and we were out sailing. I could tell you a little bit about that trip. Okay, Mary, I won't. But we had a great time, and Steve said, look, if you're getting older, I'd like to get a baseline for your heart, so as you get older, I can kind of help you out a little bit. Next time you're up, why don't you and Mary and Arliss do a calcium test? So listen about the calcium test. Um, so we set it up for Monday of Thanksgiving week. And... Uh, Arliss and I and Mary all went down to Bellin and we had the calcium test and we met Steve at 10.01 and he said to the girls, uh, you guys got zeros, that's awesome. Joey, you've got the highest score I've ever seen. <laughs> you don't want to hear that from a buddy who's a vascular As you're surgeon. about to bite your burger, at, yeah. at, you know. Yeah, with extra cheese. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, and he said, I've already made arrangements for you to see a cardiologist tomorrow. Wow. And uh, from there it was a catheter and then Thanksgiving morning, Steve did what few friends are able to do. He ripped my chest open hmm. and handled my heart. And hmm. Steve, Mary, I'm so grateful for your investment in my health. Hmm. You know, I've talked to Steve about this. He not only did my surgery, he's nursed me back to health in his home. Yeah. You talk about a drag. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking for me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> your doctor comes home and he's eating dinner. He gets up and gets a stethoscope and throws it on you. I mean, you, there's no rest. And then you feel guilty about everything you eat because yeah. he's keeping track of it. But no, you guys, I, I have to say this in this congregation because Steve is an expert at what he does. He's superb. I saw him do a surgery years ago and it was phenomenal. So I had full confidence what he would do for me from a surgical perspective. But Mary has a heart the size of this church and she's opened her home and cared for my soul. Mm -hmm. That's special. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. So now we're uh, mending, and Arliss is the one that's probably having a more difficult time than I am with the whole process because I feel like I got a new lease on life, and she's just got to haul all the suitcases around. So it's a big. So let's talk, Arliss, and we'll come back to you, Joe. But I guess just reflections. And again, I, I said this the first service. I'll say it again. This is not the assumption that these have now they're full figured out all this stuff about. Right what's going on, but more of just reflections right now. What's God doing in and around you in the midst of this, but personally and even in your marriage? Um, the, the initial event was very stunning, and um, I didn't process too much during it. I knew a lot of people were praying for us, but I didn't know what to do with it except just watch. And... Um, um, be alert to er anything. Um, <clears throat> so uh, 
as the days have worn on, actually it took our adult children leaving to be on my own and to think, um, okay, this is what's happened, and where am I now? Um, I'd love to tell you that my whole time was just talking to God and praying and begging. I really wasn't. I was too preoccupied. And, um, but I did sense being held up by prayers. And I know that this has happened to many people. Many of you have had serious health conditions, and it's not unusual. We just hadn't had this before, and so it was personal to us. Um, I think it was hard because my protector couldn't protect me in any way. Um, and so I had to be okay with that, and that's the way it's going to be, and it'll come back. Um, mm. Yeah. Can I make one statement about it? No, that I think? you can't. Okay, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> go ahead. Honestly, the days following the surgery, I wasn't able to really, I didn't want to fool with my phone or any of that stuff. And uh, my kids said to me, Dad, you won't believe the messages. And eventually I looked, and there were literally hundreds of messages from people that um, were very, very meaningful. And for those of you who sent messages, thank you very much. It was kind of like going to your own funeral. Mm. Seriously, it was. Yeah. Um, because usually you don't hear those things they're usually stated after the fact. Yeah. And the beauty of it is that people were able to express their hearts to us. And uh, I just really deeply appreciated it because it made me feel like the investment we made in the lives of so many people was worth something to them. Yeah. That it wasn't just uh, you're doing a job, but actually you touched my life. Hmm. You know, God used you to touch my life. And that's to me, that's the gratification of being involved in the kind of work you're in in the church. Now, why don't you guys draw back then? Obviously, you heard the news, you're going to have surgery. And then the family, Joe and Dawn, flew up with, I guess, all the grandkids too, correct? Did everybody come up? Yeah. So, I, you want to talk a little bit about that conversation? I think it was the night before. Actually, it was the morning of surgery. The morning of. Yeah. The night before, I couldn't talk. My blood pressure was 160 over 112. I was buzzing somewhere in space. But uh, um, that next morning, we got together at 5.15 uh, so we could have some time to talk without being rushed. And uh, we spent some time as a family uh, talking about what was important. And I began with Arliss and talked about my love and commitment to her over the years and how you know, that we're looking forward to many more years together. Yeah. And uh, then I went to each of the kids and talked to them about um, my, my pride as a dad and who they were and my love for them as individuals. And they reciprocated. We talked back and forth. Um, and I, then I shared with them about my spiritual journey because uh, I'm like you. I've got a lot of crazy ideas. And... Uh, some people think I'm a heretic. I probably am on some point. <laughs> but uh, I told them that I, I'm not the kind of person that has ever felt compelled to, you know, try to use God as magic or demand from him or to, you know, push things. Because when I committed my life to him many years ago, I committed my life to him. 
and I'm fully confident that no matter what happens, good, bad, or ugly, it's in his providence. And I trust him. I've released my life to him. And uh, I said, so I want to pray with you guys before I go into surgery. I want you to realize God's in control. The outcome's not in our hands. And that's a beautiful place to be. And that's been a part of my ongoing maturation as a Christian. But I deeply appreciate that sense of security that God brings to you, not about life and death, but about him being there in the midst of all these things. Hmm. It was great. So that's your vantage point of being the one that was going into surgery. I was going to go to sleep. Right, you were going to sleep. What was running through your mind, even in that conversation, because it's a very different, you shared a little bit about that as, as wife, but also as mom to your kids, and any reflections there? Well, I know we have a good, a good healthy love for each other. We're very committed. But to hear him verbally say to the kids, I love this woman. She's first in my life, and, uh, you know, your mother's it. It made me, that's not how, really what you said, not it, but um, <laughs> it made me feel really, real good, and I mm. knew it was important for them to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you declared your love for each other, uh, you declared for your love for each other, and they did too. That was a poignant moment that I don't know... Um, I'm sure many other families have had that, but we hadn't had it. I feel like a fundamental shift took place in my heart and in my thought during that time. Um, I felt like as you came out of it and as you were healing, I thought, you know what, I don't know how many days I'll have but I want to have every one of them count. Mm-hmm. And I want to love you better. Even before you, I want to love God better. I want, to, I want him to smile and say, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. I want to love my children better and my grandchildren. And I want to love my friends better and, my, and strangers I meet all day long. Students at the high school, I want to love them better. That was a major thing for me. Hmm, that's beautiful. A great even reminder for all of us. Just to, We don't have to have heart surgery to actually begin that journey. Um, but no. often, some of that adversity has to come for us to remember that. I know you've had some reflections, Joe, um, from the story with Steve. And I don't know how much you want to share about that, but I think that's a, a powerful reflection just personally. I told Steve that we've got a talk in this somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think a TED talk would be great. Yeah, there so you go. It'd be perfect. But um, Thanksgiving will always have a special place for me. Um, um, a number of years ago, what was it six years ago, Steve? 2005. 2005. Um, my doorbell rang on Thanksgiving morning. It was Steve. And he opened the door, and I could see he was in distress. And we spent some time together over a personal issue he was struggling with. And uh, it was just, it was my opportunity to, in his vulnerability, take his heart Mm. and emotionally um, try to get all the air bubbles out of it Mm -hmm. and get it healthy 
so he could move in a direction he wanted to go as a man um, to have something different in his life than what he had. And it was a privilege to do it. I, I, you know, as a friend, I, I already loved him. I loved his honesty, his openness, and his craziness. I like the fact he's junior high like me behind that Dr. Gernt thing. And uh, um, as, uh, as this, this coming Thanksgiving took place, I told him this is full circle because I know nothing about the physical heart other than it pumps blood. And he's an expert. And I said to him, Steve, if you're willing to do the surgery, whatever you have to do, I'm going to trust you. And whatever you choose to do is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow through. And uh, it was just, it was full circle. I worked on one part of the heart. He's working on my heart in another way. And I told him, I'll never, uh, our friendship will never be the same for me. Um, I love him like a brother. Yeah. You know. What a powerful picture, too. Sometimes I think, and we don't set it up that way, like, hey, I'll do something for you, and I know later on I'll get it paid back to me. What, what a just a blessing to see that kind of unfold. What a privilege to have that unfold that way. Well, and, the, you know, i got to say, Bellin is an amazing facility to have stuff like that done. I was very impressed with the way they operated. But uh, um, to me... Um, for Steve and Mary to invite us into their home and to nurture us. I mean, even the people at the hospital are like, you're what? <laughs> I've never heard of that before. I said, I haven't either, but I'm sure glad it's happening. <laughs> oh, wow. And when, um, before surgery, well, in the times when we knew we were going to go in for um, perhaps the stents, in, our, in Steve and Mary's kitchen, we all prayed together, and mm -hmm. that was a great source of strength. And then in his scrubs, before surgery, he came in, put his arms around us kids. Us kids? <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Oh. Mm. So now how, you know how I think about myself. Yeah. <laughs> the kids and me, and just prayed, prayed wow. that he would be able to do the job. And he knew he could. Hmm. So that was great. I just even I think about that. Because you don't have to be a heart surgeon to have that kind of place in people's lives. And really, you represent that because I think you guys sat in a lot of kitchens and living rooms praying with families and kids. And we all have that opportunity to do that. But what a, what a special thing. So one of the questions I get often is, um, so why did you guys leave? Because I'll, I'll get, uh, hey, why are they pastoring a church down here? They had a pretty good one here. And so... Um, you know, they look at me and they'll be frustrated with me and say, why did Joe leave, you know? And then they'll ask me that question. So it's always really fun answering that. I don't know. No, I mean, in all honesty, uh, there's such a love for you guys. And I think sometimes we get, we don't understand 26 years, why would someone leave? And Paul did often. He wasn't there for 26 years. But could you speak a little bit to that? Sure. There were two facets to it that were primary. One is our kids and grandkids. We've got six grandsons. And uh, I've been investing my whole life in people. And I told Arliss, we've got to make a switch because we've got to start investing in these kids. They're getting older. If we don't invest in them, we're going to lose the opportunity, the window of time we have. Because, you know, my one grandson's now like 15, and I'm not as cool as I used to be. <laughs> Maybe I'll be cooler now that my heart's fixed. There you go. There you but, go. Um, you know, they're, they're such loving kids, and we have such a great time with them. 
And uh, so that was a primary concern for us. And the other thing, to be honest with you, is that um, the burden of ministry caught up to me. Hmm. I don't handle stress well. That's why I had heart surgery, I guess, <laughs> uh, part of it. Um, but I don't handle stress well. And when you're in the position that Troy's in now, I'll do a little advertisement for him. When you're in that position, you carry the burden for everybody's well-being that's a part of your congregation. And I can't explain it to you other than to say that the stress of that isolates you. And you spend a lot of time alone carrying that mm -hmm. burden. And uh, the fact is that the best thing you can do for him as a leader, because he's got some years to run with you, is to pray for him, love him, and really curiously go after him and say, how are you really doing, Troy? Because he's going to say, I'm doing fine. I did that too. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, there's a lot of times he's not doing fine um, because he's carrying the load for people. And so I encourage you to value his leadership while he's here. The leadership's going to change. It's going to move in different directions and different things are going to happen. But realize that it's an opportunity to get behind somebody and to follow him now, if he's really screwed up and you know running off of the secretary or something, that's a different ball game. <laughs> but if, <laughs> but if it's purely thank you, yeah. <laughs> if it's purely your preference opposed to his, the greatest gift you can give a leader is to let him lead. Because in the church, you can't make people follow you. They'll get up and go to the one over here or the one over there. Yeah. So let them lead and be happy you got a leader. Be happy you got one. Okay, so it got too heavy. And yeah. I've, I've heard it said before from another leader that every church has its own bag of crud. Mm -hmm. And eventually over time you get tired of carrying that one and you want to trade it in for a different one. And I think the Memphis church offered up, it was smaller um, do you want to talk a little bit, Arliss, just about the church in Memphis was a whole different scenario. And actually it didn't, that's not why you moved really necessarily, mm -hmm. but it popped up. It was smaller, like 125 people. Mm -hmm. It started off at well, about was, 175 and they all left because they didn't like your They were like talks. 250 and it went down to 125 <laughs> real quick. So you got hired to just kill the church, right? You're, <laughs> One of the comments I got was, we've got this relational thing, quit talking about it. And there's divorces going on and all sorts of crap. And I'm going, yeah, you got it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So a smaller church and that offered a new, actually, didn't it, you, you were mentioning last service, it kind of changed for Joe. It almost gave him uh, to exercise, or almost to let go and to invest differently into people he could be with. Yes. Yeah. We knew everybody by name. We do know everybody by name and care for them on a more intimate basis than a big crowd, even though we cared very much about you. Um, a lot of um, different persuasions coming into the church, just like here. And uh, by the way, that sermon two weeks ago was you nailed it. That was so good. All your work and study paid off. Um, it was a place where we could just be comfortable. Joe could still speak, nurture the leadership, and um, 
it was a good place for us to go. Less stress on you. Yeah. And so where's the church at now? What's going on with that church? Well, when we first went down there, the, I went down to consult with them. And they said, would you lead us through the process? And I said, I can't answer that for you. My wife will have to answer it. So I came back and Arla said, let's do it. So she was at the tail end of a contract with Howard Swamical Schools and signed up for the next year too because we didn't know if the church was going to make it financially. They were upside down in a building, about $3.5 million. And uh, without us advertising, a church in town that was a large church called the Life Church came to us and said, we want to take over your mortgage and we're going to give you $750,000 beyond it because we love what you're trying to do. We love the imprint you're making on the community. We hear great things about it. We want you to exist as a church. Hmm. And so we took that money and received it as though it was from God, and we went to work on rebranding ourselves and moving ourselves to the YMCA in Collierville. And over the course of the last uh, year, um, we were in the process of uh, moving the church under the umbrella of High Point Church. In Memphis. So you're done officially? I'm done officially as of August 25th. Um, so, yeah. The burden was lifted. There you go. Bat, drop that bag. I dropped that bag and it <laughs> splattered all over the place. It was terrible. You can tell Joe's getting more comfortable because <laughs> so this service is very different. I, I, so let's talk about. Um, they were never the same when I was here. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about ministry then in your reflections, how you've seen God work in your lives uh, around the church, uh, both here and in Memphis, and just some thoughts you've had. I know you talked about even your merger with the YMCA and the irony of how much, how many years ago, what, 16, 17 years ago, some of the visioning um, that was here, but just maybe some reflections on church, on ministry, words you might have for this community. Um, instead of looking this at you as a group, I look at you as people who are investigating or committed or searching for someone to love you. And, um, it's here. It's, it's Jesus. And when you follow Jesus with your whole heart, he brings about changes in you that you can't do on your own. Um, I'm thrilled to see so many of you that I don't know because I know you are finding out a way to live that's different than you knew. Um, as in any church, there's always people who are confused by the actions of others and unhappy about what's going on. And I remember um, when Jesus was walking along the shore with Peter and just having a conversation, Peter kept looking back and seeing John following behind. And he said, what about him? What plans do you have for him? And Jesus said, don't worry about it. You just follow me. It's so basic to keep your mind on yourself, mind your own business. Jesus has a plan for them that you don't even know about. Um, follow him. And I'm excited for you that you're there. Hmm. 
ministry. Let's talk about just your thoughts, just for, I guess, this church, but also just for you guys, even in the future, as it's moving ahead. You know, I, I believe in your leadership, Troy, on a personal level. I believe in it corporately, mm. and I love you as a brother. So yeah. for me, it's real easy to say, however God directs you with the leadership of this church, I'm going to be supportive. I won't agree with everything. Um, you don't want me to talk too much about ministry probably <laughs> at some level. And we've had those debates before, but um, I believe in you personally. And I think the most important gift you can give to somebody who is leading is your trust. Hmm. It's critical. And you have my trust. And I think if this group trusts you, not agrees with you on everything, but trusts you and challenges your heart when there's questions, I think that God can open up the door because to a lot of things you haven't even dreamed about yet, and you're a big dreamer. Um, because the philosophy here hasn't changed. When I talk to Troy, philosophically, it's the same organization that was here when I was here, trying to build something to reach the community where they're actually at. That's why you're meeting in a gym. Mm -hmm. um, the gym was purposeful, it was intentional. We used to run volleyball leagues here and basketball leagues and all that. I got too old to do it, so we started doing other stuff, square dancing, things like that. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> but the reality is I'm, I'm very committed to that. And I think the, the one thing I'd say to the church as a whole is that I think uh, I've watched the church uh, morph into busyness. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I know you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. And busyness does not equate with a relationship. The yeah. busier families are, the less relationship they have. You know, when you're running here, hockey, dance, all that stuff, you're not sitting together and you're not enjoying life. And my one uh, focus for this fellowship would be, man, if you can give the essential things, but understand you don't, have a church because it's busy you have a church because the church is you and you have the opportunity to sit down with somebody else's in the church and have them over for a meal and share some time together it's so critical yeah when you think about we didn't talk about this last service but I'm, I'm curious so I know that when I have a chance to be somewhere for a time and then I'm like we moved away Trish and I moved away our, our perspective then is so different about where we were. We almost took things for granted on some level. Um, you've had two diverse pictures of church from Memphis, which is more of that southern kind of perspective. Um, are there any insights there? I mean, as you reflect on what's up here and what's down there, any interesting learnings there? Well, what I really miss about Green Bay is when you go through the drive-through somewhere, you actually get what you order. <laughs> The service part of life here is phenomenal compared to anywhere else I've ever lived. People, whether they're working at McDonald's or working at the hospital, take their job fairly seriously. And I miss that about this part of the country. Um, I don't know, Ar, what are you thinking? <clears throat> I, I, when I left the church, I will say this, I didn't miss the weight of the responsibility, but I missed the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I miss the people that I used to do stuff with, that I would hang out with, that I would, you know, run across while I was in the grocery store. I miss that thing. 
more than the responsibility. Is there anything spiritually, though, like you go, oh, man, I mean, 26 years here, you had to go down to Memphis and go, man, I like this. There had to be something new to that culture, or there, was there something that you missed? And I'm just digging here a little yeah, bit. that's all right. Uh, I miss the long-term relationships. To start over in a yeah. new place takes time and getting to know somebody. Um, we have great women's groups, and I've been able to, because I'm not, I'm subbing yet, but I'm not teaching full-time, so I do have the ability to invest in other women like I didn't even have here. And so it, that has been great. Um, people are the same, though, everywhere. They really are. Still struggling. Yeah. Still yeah. trying to find hope. Needing an arm. Yeah. Needing someone to believe in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts there? I would agree with Arliss. The long-term relationships is what I miss the most. Yeah. Not, not that the relationship's in, but that consistent dialogue and investment, you know, run and get a cup of coffee together, that kind of thing. Yeah. I know that you guys are relationally, I mean, that's, that, those are tough shoes to fill, I know, for Trish and I, just because, you know, this church, how big was Community Church when you first started? Was 150, 180? No. The vote when I came to Community Church was 22 for me, two against me. <laughs> Who are the two people? <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I have no idea who the two were, but they obviously didn't know what they were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and they left quickly. Yeah. Well, I think two people, they were like, they only used the King James Bible, so, and I told them that was crazy. Of course, what do I know? I just had courses in graduate school, you know, so. Oh, man. Uh, I lost my train of thought, and you, and you do that to me. Um, Let's talk about the future, uh, because obviously there's a lot of defining moments from your health through the move, but even now, High Point taking over the, the church plant that you guys were a part of, or the church that, you, that transitioned. So now what? What do you guys look forward to? What's, I know you said that emotionally about your marriage, but ministry-wise, what's, what's ahead? Um, I'm going to tell you a little story. Just a little one? Yeah. Back in April, a guy called me who said, I want to have lunch or dinner with you. I'm going to be in Memphis. Would you meet me at the hotel? I said, I'd love to. Um, So we sat down and talked, and uh, he did something for me that rarely happens in ministry. He walked through his life and told me how I'd influenced him over the years. Mm -hmm. And I was like beside myself, almost inside, like, I actually influenced this guy? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, and then he said something to me that uh, really started my mind tripping and that was that he wanted me to have the kind of influence on people close to him that I'd had on him and honestly I've never had anything like that happen before and I told him that and uh, I just deeply appreciated that because we started a process of putting together a business where we'll have that opportunity. It's already started to fall into place. And I'm so grateful because I want to have an influence on folks. Yeah. And I feel like we're in a culture that is losing its way. And I think a lot of the 
biblical principles that I operate from, I don't have to refer to the Bible to get them across, can make a huge difference in the right. lives of people. Yeah. And so it, to me, it's just, it's been a wonderful thing. And he said it this way to me, I want to monetize your skill set. And I said, I'm all over that. <laughs> I couldn't do it for myself, but I right. like that idea. So uh, who knows? And what has that meant? Has that meant you, you wrote a book? I wrote a book. It's still in the can, but it's going to get done here eventually. Is that the title, In the Can? No. <laughs> oh, but I had to just come at you with something. There is a thing on the flap that says, In the Can is a good place to read this. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you asked for that. I know, I did. I did. Any last thoughts, just as you guys think of what you might want to say to people here at Community? You've said so much already, but anything that comes to your heart? <laughs> I can say this, we, this has been like the, having worked in this environment, starting with just a handful of people and seeing it grow to what it grew to has been the greatest joy of our lives as adults. Um, seeing the continuity from where the church first started to what it's become has been beautiful and then to see where it's going in the future I, I have to say I'm excited about it and uh, I, I would just want you folks to understand that those of you who are a part of this fellowship when we were here we truly loved you and we gave ourselves to you we gave ourselves in every way we knew how we uh, gave it through the talks I would do through the service we provided and what we wanted to give you was a consistency of how screwed up we are and God loves us anyway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's what we tried to offer. And um, I think for some of you, it's resonated very well. For the rest of you, you were glad to see me go. That's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> for us, now that the church, that you're no longer speaking and the church is, has a different complexion to it, um, we're just getting involved, leading a small group. I want to be the, you know, I sign up for everything I can sign up for that's reasonable, yeah. and we're just going to keep working because we believe in the local church. This is it. This is mm -hmm. what Jesus died for, and um, so we're investing. Hmm. Well, I'll speak for everyone, just how much we love you guys. It's just a privilege to have you up here, and I know for Trisha and I feel not just that you've laid a great groundwork for ministry and church, but you're such a great um, refuge for Trish and I. And uh, I know this. We don't feel alone with you guys, ever. So thank you, and we just love you guys. Thank you. Let me say one other thing that I think this congregation should know. Um, the last couple years, we've gone through some dark times as a family. And uh, my daughter-in-law almost died in childbirth a year ago. And Troy happened to be down there, and he's pastored Arliss and I through some very tough things. And so he's not only your pastor, he's our pastor in a sense. And we've had that kind of reciprocal relationship, so we've appreciated that. Mm -hmm. We thank these guys. We love them, don't we? <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Here you go. Well, you can have a seat. Danan and Mike are going to come back up and...
Well, we have this great privilege, uh, after something like that, to hear uh, 26 years of investment. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think about uh, my longing to sit somewhere after 26 years and to have that kind of reflection and to have uh, people around me that we've invested in. What a privilege. And uh, we're just so grateful, but it's made possible because of Christ. And I know Joe and Arliss feel this way too, that we are destitute, lost, wandering without, without the name of Christ. Last night I had a chance to do chapel for the team. And I was reflecting on, with the, the guys about why we don't pray. Why don't we come to God more? Um, you guys can come on up. And... I had said, I think one of the reasons is is because we don't realize how bad we have it. And so I put up this famous journalistic picture. Uh, I won't do it because it's it's so uh, really tough to look at, actually. It's a picture in 1991 in Darfur, there was a a great famine. And uh, it was a little African-American boy, skin and bones, probably only five years old, praying as there was a vulture about 20 yards away. And I think of that picture and I think, sometimes I think in church culture, as Joe even mentioned, we get so busy we forget how bad we have it. I think we forget the lostness that, that we had without Jesus. And so we come every week together as disciples of Jesus Christ and we go to a table, not out of tradition, not because there's some magic about doing it often, it was to remember how lost we were and how amazing his grace and mercy has been through the blood of Christ. And so we get to do that as family. And so this morning, maybe you need us to grab a friend or family member or someone that hasn't been to community in a while or that you've recognized and go remember together at the table, would you? Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ. We're grateful for Joe and Arliss that they modeled what it meant to be people that were flawed, but people that were in love with you. And we're going to invest their lives in others the best they could. And Father, we just celebrate together the name of Christ, both in this church and its leadership, but also in this group of people that gather even here this morning. Might we remember and celebrate who you are in Jesus' name. Amen.